So if you walk by the kitchen right now, you'll notice about 20 pies of pizza. Turns out there's a place called Lazara, owned by Tony and Sebastian Lazara for the better part of 50 years. And I guess they love me and they love this show. Of course, everybody does. But So they just dropped off like 10 pizza pies. And I've already had a slice. I don't usually have pizza at 9.30 in the morning, but it was really good. So uh, thank you to uh, Tony and Sebastian Lazaro, Lazaro Pizzeria, for being a fan of the show and dropping off the pizza, uh, which is kind of like what we do with Ukraine. You know, we give them everything. Uh, In fact, uh, to Peter King, as I get to Gordon Chang here momentarily, maybe Peter can explain to me why we've already given these people, I don't know how many billions of dollars. I don't even know how many billions. And the next closest country to us is the U.K., and they've given like five billion. That's it, five billion. In fact, here's uh, the great John Katzmatidis, uh, Gordon Chang. Good morning, buddy. How are you? And thank you so much. Oh, you know I love having you on. There is nobody, and I mean nobody, better than you when it comes to this. And all my friends in the business, Gordon, at radio stations and TV stations, they they're all trying to get you on, and they expect me to like call Lydia or call you and get you on the air because you're so great. You have become the voice. For all of this, so thank you once again on this very important day. Thank you. Well, thank you, and save a piece of pie for me because <laughs> I love pizza. <laughs> you will. I will do that. You got it. So let's get right to what we saw last night in prime time. Prime time, an actual bipartisan committee talking about the existential threat that China poses to us, something you've been talking about for a very, very long time. How important is it that Republicans and Democrats got together last night and did this, led, of course, by a Republican master? Yeah, this is critical because we face a common enemy. You know, Republicans and Democrats do see each other's adversaries, but we do have an enemy that is trying to kill and, in fact, killing Americans with COVID-19. That's 1,119,000 Americans that have died from this disease. And, of course, fentanyl. That's about 80,000 deaths each year from illegal from doses of illegal Chinese fentanyl. So, yeah, we need to get together. And it was great to see both parties coalesce last night. It really was great to see that. And uh, as you said, very, very important. I want to go back to the fight I just had, fight, the disagreement with my dear friend Peter King. I know you know where I'm coming from. I think uh, we need to figure out when this is going to end, this blank check, which Peter says it's not, but it is. I mean, basically every couple of months we give these this country billions and billions of dollars, and we just can't sustain that. We just can't. So uh, at what point do we come up with a plan that says, A, whatever money we're spending, this is where it's going. Whatever weapons we're giving, this is where they're going. And eventually at some point we're going to cap this money at this. Is all of that so unreasonable, Gordon? Yeah, it's not unreasonable, Sid. Um, The way I put it is this, and that is the Biden administration is dribbling out money in big doses, but they're dribbling it out. And they're making sure that Ukraine doesn't win. So they're putting enough money in to sustain the war, but not to produce a victory. We can end this. We can compel a short war if we give Ukraine what they need, which are F-16s. And we make it clear to Russia that we're going to start enforcing those sanctions. We're going to tighten them. We're going to cut China off from Russia. We can do these things. We can get a victory. We can end this war quickly. And that actually is the safer way of proceeding. The Biden administration thinks, well, it's safer if we just sort of let it bleed out. No, that's wrong. You know, I just had this argument, too, with Peter. He contends that once Putin saw our very lazy, turned out to be deadly 
departure from Afghanistan, that was kind of the impetus and motivation for Putin to do this. And, and my point to Peter was, stop it. The day that Trump lost and Biden won, Putin knew that day this week, president, he was going to do whatever he wanted. It didn't take 13 dead, brave Americans in Afghanistan to motivate Putin to do this. It was a matter of when, uh, when not if. Do you agree with Peter or me? Yeah, um, I said, I tend to think that you're right, Sid, on this. Um, but let's we got to be clear, and that is that uh, after Biden took the oath of office, um, he did a number of things to further erode deterrence to make it clear that this was going to occur. You know, nothing is inevitable, but yes, I do believe that Putin took the measure at Biden and said, "This is uh, Russia's time to take the rest of Ukraine." Now, we'll never know the answer to that question is, but we know that Biden's uh, catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan further eroded deterrence. We know that from what, for instance, the Chinese were saying. And we can also see that um, Biden was around in 2014 when um, Russia took Crimea. I mean, it was Biden foreign policy because he was supposed to be the foreign policy czar in the Obama administration. It was Biden foreign policy that allowed Putin to take Ukraine in 2014. So Putin obviously thought, well, he could take the rest of Ukraine right. in the Biden presidency. So you just made my argument. It all goes back to Biden, whether it's 2014 or 2021. It all goes back to Biden. And, uh, you know, I remember there was not a lot of talk about China taking over Taiwan when Donald Trump was president. It's not about praising Donald Trump. This is about the facts. When Trump was president, the Russians didn't attack Ukraine. There was no China-Taiwan talk. The guy in North Korea was firing less missiles. So I'm sorry. Dead bodies in Afghanistan. That ain't it. It is a weak president, Joe Biden, who would rather write a check just like his predecessor, Barack Obama, than kill somebody. Yeah. And that's the point. You know, when um, Trump said he was going to go after the Iranian National uh, Revolutionary Guard, he went out and killed Soleimani. And everyone said, oh, that's going to trigger a wider war. No, it didn't. The, The Iranians went quiet. There was no no acts of terrorism after that, because, you know, the point here is that if you have effective foreign policy, the bad guys don't take you on. The other example was moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Everyone said there was going to be a new wave of Palestinian terror. No, there wasn't. The Palestinians took the measure of Trump and said, no, we're just not taking this guy on. You know, it's interesting, too, that people who defend the money we're spending and fighting Putin, they always talk about, well, when's Putin going to stop? I mean, Poland could be next. I'm telling you, there's no way, Gordon, in a million years, as crazy and as unpredictable as this guy is, he's not going into Poland. But what do you think? Yeah, um, I tend to think that, uh, you know, I hope you're right. But the point is, you know, we heard from a former president of Russia, uh, Dmitry Medvedev, um, whatever, however you pronounce his last name. I never can do it. Um, but he did actually two weeks ago or a week and a half ago actually said, look, now's the time to dismember Poland. So, yeah, I tend to agree with you. That's unthinkable for them taking on NATO. But Unfortunately, we also thought that the invasion of Ukraine was unthinkable. Um, We thought the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan would not have occurred. So, you know, things are happening that um, were inconceivable. And that's the real risk right now, because all the things that we know about the world, they're out the window. That is true. So let's go back to last night's bipartisan committee meeting, uh, talking about the threat that China poses to us. China, of course, has been cooperating with Russia for a while now. I get a kick out of people who go, oh, my God, what if China? What do you mean, what if? They're already doing it. 
So that brings me to my next point, the COVID lie. And now the FBI finally admitting with the Department of Energy that, yes, it was probably a leak from a lamp and not some bat at a wet market. Why did it take them two years to tell us what we knew already years ago? Well, because uh, I think the Biden administration and specifically the president wants to maintain these open lines of communication with um, Beijing. And so people don't want in the intelligence community, which is really politicized, don't want to take on the president. So, um, you know, if we had uh, a president who said, I want to get to the bottom of this, I don't care where the chips fall. I think we would have heard the FBI and the Department of Energy and the 16 other elements of the intelligence community come out and say, yeah, this was this was a leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. This is highly politicized, Sid. And until the president makes it clear he wants an honest answer, we're not going to get honest answers. Yeah, between our own government and the Chinese government, we will never get the honest answer because no one wants to cooperate. And that's why there's a lot of folks, Republicans especially, Gordon, you know this, who want the government to be more transparent and actually show, show the American people some of these documents, which Biden has seen. Biden has seen them. But again, to your point, for some reason, he'd rather keep it a secret, maybe in his effort to protect China. Maybe he's a compromised president. I don't know. But our issue is it's not just their government. It's our government that will never tell our people the exact truth. Right. I mean, the intelligence community says, well, we don't want to reveal source and methods. I understand that. But the point is, you can reveal conclusions uh, without revealing sources and methods. And the American people need to know that because the Chinese are cooking up some really, really rabid pathogens. And those are the pathogens that will leave the Chinese immune, but kill everybody else. So we need to deter China from spreading the next disease because, you know, Sid, wherever this disease came from, we know that Beijing, once it got out into the Chinese public, they decided to spread it beyond China's borders. So they killed 1,119,000 Americans with this disease. Well, we can argue about the number. You know, people say, well, it's not that many. I don't care if it's more than zero. It's too many. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's interesting. You just said uh, that they're cooking up some new diseases that won't affect the Chinese. And I remember, Gordon, maybe it was two years ago. And I was doing some TV work, and I had you on. And you said that they were actually taking DNA from people in Morocco and other countries around the world to try to figure out the biological, the physiological differences between them and the Chinese so that when, in fact, they create the next COVID virus, which you just said is coming, that, yes, the Chinese would not be affected. Are you telling me they've already done that that it's actually they know now what can kill everybody else but their own people well we know they're working on it and we know that it's possible um they talk about specific ethnic genetic attacks and that means those pathogens that are specific to certain types of humans you know Sid, if you want to find the biggest collection of dna profiles of americans you won't find it in our country the the biggest collection of DNA profiles of Americans is in China. And I'm sure the same thing is true of Moroccans and other people. Remember, China conducted those phase three trials of its COVID vaccines in other countries. Well, they were hoovering up DNA and they've done this around the world, which means that they know and they've got all the data to do this. Jason Crow, who's a Democratic senator from Colorado at the Aspen Security Forum in the middle of last year, said that 
it is now possible to create a disease that will attack only one individual. If that is indeed true, and I have no reason to doubt it, it means the Chinese have a pathogen that can kill Americans, not Chinese. Wow, that is really scary. You know, on the way out, we keep hearing this word accountability. I heard Chris Ray say it to Brett Baer yesterday, and media people say it all the time. we got to hold the Chinese accountable. So I guess you can, you know, more tariffs and more financial stuff. But when it comes to holding them accountable, if, in fact, we determine that they absolutely killed over one million people in our country, who gives a rat's ass about a tariff? What is real accountability for the Chinese if, in fact, all this happens to be true? Well, we start uh, confiscating their assets in the U.S. We close their consulates. We take their embassy, a cast of hundreds, and and reduce it to just the ambassador. Um, You know, we start cutting trade, investment, technical cooperation. We just cut everything um, because we need to show Beijing that we're serious about defending ourselves. Yes, this is going to hurt us. But if we do something that hurts us in order to protect our own country, the Chinese will get the message. They think that we won't touch them because, you know, they've got too many people in the U.S. who are their allies. No, we've got to go after their allies as well. This is going to be a painful period for the United States. But we have let the Chinese take over our country, and we've got to take it back. We must take back America from the Communist Party of China. Okay, so 30 seconds to go, and none of us want this. In fact, I'm sitting next to John Katzmatidis, the author of How Far Do You Want to Go? He's, he's created a beautiful life for himself, and he's a great man. Nobody, nobody wants this. But uh, is there any way you can see us doing something militarily above and beyond something financial? I don't think so, but is there any way? Yeah, we don't need to do that because China right now is really fragile. We don't need to employ military force. We can just use our economic leverage and our technical superiority. We can do all of this stuff. We don't need the military in order to protect ourselves. Uh, Gordon Chang, uh, John Katsimatidis, I agree with you 100 percent. And especially uh, China has come out uh, with possible peace in the Ukraine. Uh, That means they're not going to back up uh, Russia. And uh, and uh, I think we have to make peace because enough is enough. Enough people have been dying in Russia. Enough people have been dying in the Ukraine. And uh, uh, remember what Eisenhower said. What did he say, Sidney? Beware of the vast, what, military, yep. industrial, yes. complex. military industrial complex. Yes. People yes. make money. People make money, Too much money. selling bullets selling uh, uh, cannons, selling everything. And people are dying. And listen, you know what they should have done? It's a joke, but I'm going to tell you, it's yeah. a joke anyway. They should get Putin and uh, the uh, Zelensky, Zelensky, yeah. Zelensky yeah. in a boxing match. Let them fight it out. <laughs> I mean, now you're talking. That, that's the real way to have a war. Now you, you're talking. You don't like Zelensky. You don't like Putin. <laughs> Go in a boxing match. Fight it out. Why? Why have all these people? Hundreds of thousands of people die for for, right. for their benefits. You're right. I, that's a, I actually love that idea. Can we make that happen, Gordon? John's idea, let's have Zelensky and Putin fight. I wish it was that simple, but it's not. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, as you say on the way out here, Gordon, we should all prepare here in the United States for a very painful period, yes? Absolutely. But this is the survival of our country. So we have to make those sacrifices to make sure that we pass on America to our children and grandchildren.
I can't thank simple. you enough. I, I got to tell you, you know, it's that simple as how great you are. And you're always kind enough to hop on with me whenever I call you. And I really appreciate that. You're brilliant. You're great. Thank you so much for another great conversation, Gordon Chang. God bless you. At Gordon G. Well, thank, Chang. Thanks so right. much, Sid. It's Twitter handle, at Gordon G. Chang. You get up-to-the-minute news worldwide from Gordon Chang. He does love that. Uh, it's a great Twitter account. You're right. At Gordon G. Chang. Thank you, Gordon. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.